Carla and I uh, started this church over, th- um, what is it, 37 years? Where's Carla? 37? And um, I'm just seeing if she remembers how long we've been married. It was the same year. Thank you. Um, yeah, I should get a clap for that. That was pretty good. Um, and I'm extremely competitive. Some of you know that, and some of you just say, no way, not Pastor Lee, so, you know, just a loser or whatever. I hate to lose. I hate it. Um, so when the Lord began to move in my life, called me to be a, a minister and a preacher, which is very uncharacteristic for me to be a, uh, to speak in front of anybody, um, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to, I wanted to be the best pastor I could be. I wanted to be the best servant that I could be. I wanted to preach really well for the Lord. Um, and I ran with that as we began this church for about two years. And I was worn out. Um, you know, nursing home ministry, uh, prison ministry, hospital ministry, Bible studies. We were doing it all. And Carla was working. I was working in another job as well through some of this time. And I remember about two years into this that I just was in a tremendous struggle with God. And I, I told the Lord, I said, you, you have the wrong man, I, or I didn't hear you. I'm not going to say you made the mistake. I certainly own that I made the mistake, but I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I, I don't even know my wife you know, she's busy, I'm busy, everybody's pulling on us. And so I was, I was done, and I was just telling the Lord, I'm done. And I wrestled like that for a couple of weeks, and it was, it was really difficult. There was a lot of sleepless nights in that. And one day, um, as God just let me cry and act like a baby, um, I opened up my Bible, and it just opened up to Ezekiel 44. And in that passage of Scripture, God makes this statement, and he said, this is my desire. And when he said that, I was just tuned into that because I was just going by what I thought I should be doing. I'm not the son of a minister. There, there wasn't anybody in my family who was a minister or a pastor or, or a worker in the church. I didn't know anything. I didn't go to Bible college. I, didn't, I don't have a divinity degree. Some of you might leave now. Um, that's okay if you do um, because I won't impress you, that's for sure. Um, and so, you know, I, I just was in this place and God said, this is my desire. And I just sat there and I said, God, what is your desire? This is what I want. Why would I spend my time trying to do anything else if you're telling me this is what it is? And the Lord said, this is my desire, that my ministers would draw near to me, approach my table, and minister to me. And when 
when I read that, it was just like the, the Holy Spirit was right there showing me my calling, my privilege that I don't, and you'll have to allow, allow me some leeway on this because this isn't my, all my sermon, but I wasn't called to serve the prisons or the nursing homes or the Bible studies or the hospitals or even the people. Who could do that? But I recognized that what God was asking me and what God desired for me was that I would draw near to him and I would attend to the Lord. I would, I would just dwell with God and God would reveal to me, God would share with me particular things that were in his heart and that, were, that was in his desires. And those desires I just trusted would become my desires and, and when I read that, I was just so set free. And I was like, God, yes, yes. I laid everything down. And in, in a moment's time, I, I felt just an immediate revival in my heart and in my spirit. And if I would live my life and set Jesus before me and draw near to him, sit at his feet, wait at his table and whatever desires that might come out of his heart that affect me, then I would get to attend to those things. And the Lord revealed to me that if you do this, I'll take care of the nursing homes. I'll take care of the hospital visits. I'll take care of the Bible studies. I'll take care of the people. The people are mine anyway. I just want you to be with me. And so... 35 years ago, I stepped into that with the Lord. And I've never been more busy in all of my life. The demand of ministry, the demand of God sitting with the Lord has a big heart. The Lord weeps for his people. The Lord groans for the lost. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you wait on the Lord and you sit at his feet and you've heard those groanings of God. And once you do, your life is done. You can't live like you used to live. You can't live hearing the cry of God for lost people and then just go live the life that you want to live from that point forward. It, it, it turns you inside out. It, 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 it does something to your heart and your spirit and your, and your thoughts and your life. You never get, you never not hear that cry. Of the joyfulness of God as he sings over his people and brings deliverance and rescues and saves and helps. And I think this is something along the lines of what Jesus was telling Peter after the resurrection. And Jesus meets Peter and he just asks him this question, do you love me more than these things? Because it's not about the things. It's not about the churches. It's, it's not about the ministries. It's, it's not about the personal opportunities. It's not about the recognition of the wealth. Look, we chase those things. Every one of us does. But thank God for the grace of God that sets you free from that game. 
And you can just, you can wait upon the Lord. And you can serve the Lord by the power of his own strength and not by our own ingenuity or the strength of our committees or whatever it may be. And I just began to pursue God that way. I came across a scripture that I'd like for you to read with me in Isaiah 29. And I just want, while you're turning there, I just want to assure you of God's love for you. I want you to know that I'm not special. I'm not unique. I'm not different than you. This is all of our calls. This is for every one of us. The redemption of Jesus Christ is to bring us near to God. Jesus did not simply save you so you don't have to go to hell when you die and you can go to heaven when you die. But Jesus died and brought a salvation into our life that brings us near to God right now by grace. By a new and living way, by the blood of Jesus Christ, that door has been opened to us into the presence of God. And it's not by our worth or our merit or how good we preach or how great we serve or how the people like us or how big our church is or how small. None of that impresses God. He is moved by the blood of his son. And those that come to him through that sacrifice are accepted in the Lord, accepted in the beloved. This is what he died for. As a matter of fact, I would say to you that this has been the cry of God from the beginning of mankind. From the beginning of time when man rebelled against God in the garden and the Lord would come as he would walk with man in the cool of the day. There came a point where man chose his own way. And when man chose his own way, God didn't stop coming. Man was not there. So God began to cry, Adam, where are you? And God knew where he was. But he makes this cry out to this man that he had such intimate fellowship with. Where are you, Adam? And that cry of God has gone throughout all of the Old Testament. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, searching and looking for someone whose heart is perfect towards God. And David, the psalmist, would pen in Psalm 14, I believe it is, in Psalm 53, he says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God, for we have all done foolishly an abominable iniquity, because God looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if anyone understood. And God concluded, no one understands. No one seeks me. That was the cry of God. He said to Ezekiel, I I sought for a man to stand in the gap so I would not have to judge my people, but I found no one. The cry of God has gone out. He said to the nation of Israel with their sacrifices that they religiously gave to God. He, he finally had enough of it. And God said, I am sick of the sacrifices. It's not the circumcision of your flesh that I've been after. It's the circumcision of your hearts. All I've wanted was your heart, your intimacy. I, I, just, I just want you To love me. I want to be loved. 
I want to be a husband to you. I want to be a father to you. I want to be a God to you. I want you to be my bride. I want to be your groom. I want to rejoice over you like a groom would rejoice over his bride in in honeymoon intensity. Isaiah tells us that as well. So Jesus, God, comes to earth because he had to come find us. And he falls before Jerusalem, which represents the capital and the people and the Jews. He wasn't talking about a city, but the people of the city, the people of the nation. And he literally falls on his knees before the city with his arms stretched out and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to take you into myself. To bring you underneath my wings. But you would not. You would not. And it is my desire, my heart, my hope, my prayer. We're losing America. We've got churches everywhere. But the devil's got the biggest church. The devil's gaining the ground. Somewhere, somehow, somebody has got to pull off the veneer. Let their heart be exposed between God and them. And let God set fire to a man or woman's heart again that can transform a culture and a life. And, and, and guys, that's my only desire. I, I'm not here in, in any way whatsoever as to assume or bring an accusation against your life as though you are some horrible follower of Jesus Christ, or you're not a great lover of Jesus Christ. That's not my job. That's not what I'm here to do. What I am here to do is this. Ask you to examine your heart and ask you to examine your love for God and your nearness to God, your intimacy with God. That's what I'm not asking what you do for God. I'm not asking how busy you are for God. I'm not asking how much money you gave God. I'm asking, how much does your heart burn for the Lord? Burn for his presence. Longs after him with sleepless nights because there's no rest until I drink from this fountain. Till I sit at his feet and I am with him. And that is my desire. Something interesting in Isaiah 29 verse 13. And Isaiah says this. In behalf of the Lord, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me. So we draw near with our mouth and with our lips we honor the Lord. But notice what he said, but have removed their heart far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Do you know what this means? Israel is not intimate with her God. And Israel has to teach her people to fear God by precepts because the presence of God is not recognized by the people because they have removed their hearts from the Lord. They didn't remove their doctrine. They didn't remove their religion. They didn't remove their 
coming to God. They didn't remove their confession. They had all of that. But their heart was not in it. And it wasn't that the devil stole their heart. It wasn't that the world stole their heart. They removed their heart far from the Lord. It's easy for us to identify that in regards to maybe prodigals or or backsliders and people that don't walk with Jesus anymore. It's easy maybe to point our fingers at them. But I believe it would be very profitable of us tonight to make sure there's nothing that is distracting our heart from loving Jesus Christ with a greater fullness than our hearts even have the capacity to do. That we would receive a baptism of the spirit and fire that enlarges our heart beyond anything we thought we were capable of because it's what God is capable of doing with us. And that is my, my prayer, my prayer tonight. Who, who sits before God in absolute awe. When was the last time you you took a drive in the night to a place where it could just be you and God and you could sit and look under the heavens that he made and just sit there and look at what is trying to show us how powerful God is And just allow yourself to be overwhelmed with this God who would send his son to us. And just sit there in whatever posture you could be in and look up into the heavens and just be able to say, God, you take my breath away. There's nothing like you. There's no one like you. There's nothing I've ever seen or experienced that even compares to you. David did something like that. When he would tend his sheep, and I think it's Psalms 8, and David said, you know, when I, when I look at the creation that you have made and I see the wonders that you've placed, I wonder, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you would visit him? Oh, God, you're so transcendent from us. What are we that you would be so interested in me? And God has that interest in you, you alone, you and God. He has that interest in you. He's caught your tears in his bottle. He's counted and numbered the hairs that you have. He formed you and fashioned you in your mother's womb. He designed you and he designed love with you. When it came the time of love, were you there? Ezekiel gives this depiction of God as as it were a man walking on a journey. And as he's walking on a journey, he discovers a baby that has been cast to the side with its cord uncut and laying in its blood, discarded, unwanted. And God gives the portrayal that when he saw the baby, he stopped and he took that baby and he breathed to that baby, live And the baby lived. It was the baby Israel. And God would take that 
nation and God would bring that nation up and wash that nation of its blood and swaddle that that nation or that baby in clothing and God would raise this baby and he watched this baby grow up into, if you will, a beautiful, beautiful woman. And God said, when it came the time of love, you were already loving another. I made you beautiful. I withheld nothing from you. I did that for you. You were going to die. I told you to live And it's the time of love for us. There's an urgency in this world and men are trying so hard to understand what do we do? What is going on with America? How do we reach this nation? How do we reach this culture? How can we make a difference? We're we're trying to figure out all of these things. Go spend time with your father and love him and let him love you. You will hear the answer. You will receive the power. He will equip you and empower you. He'll give you strength that you know not of and ability and help. The awe of God, the wonder of God. So many, however, are defined by their titles. We're position seekers. It's what we want. We're defined by our thrones. Except for some of us, I wouldn't include myself necessarily in that, but some of the men that have walked through the earth, such as David, who is not defined by his throne, but by his friend, God who is able to swallow up his sins and his failures, his acts of rebellion. And God was able to instill in this man a testimony of righteousness and purity that those of us sitting in here today love and admire King David. Why? Because he was God's friend. And he was defined by God and not his throne, like Saul, who was defined by his throne. And he would kill anyone who tried to take it. But David's like, take it. I'm going back to the tops of the mountains where I worship God. I'm going back to those hills where I was as a shepherd. And I looked up into the sky. And the one thing that I know is God loves me. The creator loves me. And I don't need thrones to get God to love me. These are not the things that I seek after. But I seek after the Lord. And I want to be with God. So what are you called to? What are you called to tonight? What is it that defines you? Are you a friend of God? Are you a man of God, a woman of God? Because you have an office. And what if nobody knew that you were a pastor? Nobody knew you were a preacher. Nobody knew you were an evangelist. Would they know you're a man of God? Would they know you're a woman of God then? Just by the demeanor of your heart and the relationship that you have with God, would they know it then? Is your your call a country? Is your call a pulpit? Or is your call someone? And maybe that's why there's 1,500 pastors every month quitting. 
Because they can't bear the weight of the people. And, and nobody can bear the weight of the people. But we can certainly bear the strength and the power of the God who carries us. And we can serve him. And we can be with him. Nothing, absolutely nothing can take the place of God's presence in your life. Please listen to me, beloved. I know this may not be the kind of message you use to kick off a convention. But we may not have tomorrow. And I can tell you this, God wants you tonight. Oh my God, he misses you. He misses you. He longs for you. Just you. Some of you sit there and you say, there's no way God just misses me. Oh, but he does. He's graving you upon the palms of his hands. You're continually before him. Know how he loves you. Nothing can take the place of God's presence. And without living in God's presence, we live vulnerable to our enemies. The presence of God is the secret place. It's the hiding place where we are safe and we stand upon a rock and our head is lifted up above our enemies and we shout praises to God and sing joyful songs because the Lord is our deliverer. That's what you do when you're in the secret place. It doesn't mean that you don't have enemies. They can't get to you because you're in the presence of God. Bitterness will poison you. If you're not in the presence of God, Satan will harass you with accusations. If you're not in the presence of God, these things will begin to transpire in your life. You'll be overwhelmed with guilt and failures. And some of you in here tonight are overwhelmed with guilt, but God doesn't want you to be overwhelmed with guilt. God wants you to draw near to him. God wants to strengthen you and God wants to help you. God wants to be with you. God can be known. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. There is a voice that you can hear if you're one of Jesus' sheep. You can touch him. You can hear him. You can feel him. You can smell him. You can sense his presence. And it's absolutely overwhelming to be with God. Sit with God. What a privilege. What a privilege to be with God. To be close to the Lord. The collapse of our society today. I say according to Romans chapter 1. The reason for the moral collapse. The reason for the confusion. The suicide, the depression, the despair, the sexually transmitted diseases, the immorality. Romans chapter 1 says that all of that will happen in a society when they who knew God did not glorify him as God and they were not thankful. And they will begin to change God to be somebody in their own image or like other created things. And then we will change his word. To be more palatable for us or for a woke society. But please understand that the reason for the collapse of a society is not because we don't have enough churches or we don't have enough preachers. And it's certainly not because there's not a lot of worship. There's a lot of people in our nation today that are drawing near to God with their mouths. 
and honoring him with their lips. But it's the, it's, it's the inappropriate worship of God. Of the lofty one, the glorious one, the holy one who invites us into his presence to be intimate with him. And, and I believe, I honestly do believe, I believe this with all of my heart, that if men and women, and maybe not by the majorities, I wouldn't imagine the majority of people even in here tonight would necessarily be moved by this. Probably think about when we can get home and get to bed. But the people that will press in and the people that will begin to worship God biblically, appropriately, by the Spirit of God, in the truth of God, will become the hope of society. And they'll become the means by which a culture can be rescued. And I believe there is a tremendous amount of people that are waiting to be brought into the kingdom of God who have lost direction and they've lost hope and they've lost the desire to live and they have marred their bodies. They have, they think, destroyed their futures. And all they have to do is experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that they will be transformed, completely transformed. Our hearts, we move them far from God. If we can do that, we can move them back to God. And I believe it's by His grace and by His Spirit, we can move them back to God. David showed us that God is worth pursuing and even better catching. How we love the Lord. David kept his heart. That's the one thing we can say about David. He had a heart after God. God even said that. He had sin, but he had a heart after God. Some of you don't think you have sin, but you don't have a heart after God. But David had a heart after God. He was passionate for the Lord, longed for him and desired him. David's the one who said that I lay on my bed through the watches of the night and I just commune with you. I I, I don't sleep at night because the longings of my bowels for you, God, are just so strong that I hunger for you and I thirst for you. Whom have I in heaven but you, Jesus? And there is none that I desire on earth beside you. When I go to church, I look for the power of God, David said. To behold his beauty, oh, to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Oh, David said, how wonderful that would be just to watch the uncreated majesty of God walking in and out. Let me open the door for him. But God let him become so much more. Just like he lets us become so much more in the presence of God and in the glory of God. I want to read just a few scriptures with you. And then I'm going to conclude. That doesn't mean I'm concluding soon. But in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 11, I just want you to see this. Um, In 1 Chronicles 28, verse 11, then... David gave to Solomon, his son, the pattern of the porch 
and of the houses and of the treasuries, the upper chambers, the inner parlors, and the place of the mercy seat. Verse 12 is important. He said the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and all the chambers round about the treasuries of the house of God and the treasuries of the dedicated things. He also had by the Spirit the courses of the priest and the Levites. And for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord and for all the vessels of service in the house of the Lord. Beautiful. The Spirit of God gave David all of this. Verse 19. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. That's how David knew it. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He saw something. God showed him something divine. God showed him something that a man in his intellect will not be able to grasp. So God revealed it to David. It's remarkable. It affected David greatly. What David saw by the Spirit of God changed his life. Changed his life. This is how it changed his life. Chapter 29, verse 1. Furthermore, David the king said to all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. It's for him. It still is. The church is for the Lord God. It's not for us or our opinions. It's for the Lord God. And he said, now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. The gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, the wood, the stones, the precious stones, the marble. I have have with all of my might given it to God in abundance. Everything. Moreover. Because I have set my affection to the house of my God. And I just want to pause there for just a moment. And I'm going to go to a couple of other scriptures. Psalm 141 and Revelation chapter 8. Some of you in our church are familiar with this with me. But I want you to just turn to these two places if you will. And I want to share with you this remarkable encounter that David had with the Spirit of the Lord. And um, when Solomon became king and David was dead, God said to Solomon, your father was a man after my own heart. David was after the heart of God. It's not that he just had a heart for God. He was after the heart of God. And what is the heart of God? Well, we know this from Ephesians, that what has been hid in the heart of God from eternity past is the church. That's always been in his heart. 
It's his desire and longing to have a church. Only David's greater son, Jesus, could give God the Father that house. David couldn't build that house. But there was a moment in David's life when he said that I want to build God a house. And Nathan, the prophet, tells David it's a good project. But Nathan's leaving and God speaks to Nathan and says, tell David he can't build my house. He's a man of war. But when you go back to David, I want you to tell David that I have chosen him. And I have chosen his kingdom to be an eternal kingdom. His kingdom will be without end. His seed will sit upon his throne forever and ever and ever. And the Bible says that after Nathan revealed this to David, that David went into the temple and he sat or or to the presence of the Lord and he sat before the Lord and he just began to worship. God, you have spoken of your servant in such a marvelous way. You have spoken of my descendants and my throne as an eternal throne. And David just began to worship God and worship God. But there's something interesting that Nathan said to David on behalf of God. And I believe this is why David was a man after God's heart. A lot of us are after God's will. But somehow, I don't know how, but somehow a human man pursued so passionately, so steadfastly, even after moral failure, he continued to pursue this heart of this God to such a degree that he wanted to build God a house. And God said through Nathan the prophet to David, how did you know that I wanted a house I never told anybody? And it's almost like David had kind of crawled up into the heart of God and he's touching all around the church. That was hid in the heart of God as a mystery not to be revealed to the apostle Paul. And God knew that. But David is all around it, this house of God. And he's after God's heart. And then you come to Psalm 141. And when you look at this psalm, it's, it's David's psalm and it's his prayer. It shows part of his desire. It shows his longing. And I want to compare this in Revelation chapter 8. Psalm 141 verse 2. He said, let my prayer be set forth before you as incense. And the lifting up of my hands... As the evening sacrifice. Listen listen to that. Let my prayer. Not not the prayers of the people. but, But let my prayer. Come before you. And let it be an incense. Let it be a fragrance. That affects you. Let my prayer smell. So that you cannot deny. 
or misunderstand that it's David who's praying. And let the lifting of my hands be as the evening sacrifice. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that David, as he already told us, that the Spirit of God gave him revelation about the house of God that was to be built. He's given it all to Solomon. This is how it's supposed to be. Solomon just went by the blueprints. David's the one that developed the whole thing, paid for it all. With all of his might, he put it into the house. And David said to Solomon, this is the way the priests meet. This is the way the Levites come. This is the way they play the instruments. This is the way they line up. This is the way my servants are going to attend to God. This is how they're going to come into the house of God. And what David set up by the Spirit of God was so profound that a queen in another part of the world heard of the fame of this temple. And she had to come and she had to see this glory. And when she saw it, she said to Solomon, Oh, what I've heard is not even half truth. This has taken my breath away. It was the, it was, it was the desire. And, and I believe with all of my heart that the world should be confronted with the church of Jesus Christ that is absolutely so beautiful. Absolutely so marvelous. Oh, the way you come to church, the way you hold your Bibles, the way you seem to hug it, the way you seem to get so close to God, like you really know him and the presence of God comes. Oh, I've heard about this, but I've never seen anything like it. Can I be a Christian? Can I come into this? This is amazing. This God is so wonderful. But we become religious and traditional and we've removed our hearts to God to have positions and titles and ranks. God just wants us. And so in Revelation chapter 8, and I close with this. This is John. He's caught up into heaven and this is what he sees. This is marvelous. John sees this. In verse 3, another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given to him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And I believe by the Spirit of God, David saw that. And I believe that was the cry of his heart in Psalm 141. Oh God, let my prayers be like incense rising up to you and let the lifting of my hands be as the evening sacrifice because David knew something. David saw something by the spirit of God. I mean, here's David. He's longing for God's presence. Nobody wanted God like David did. There was no priest alive that wanted God like David did. Nobody heart beat for God like his, thirsted for God, longed for God, lay awake on their beds at night, communing with the Lord. And all David could do was come to the gate I get to come to the gate and bring my offerings because I'm not a priest. 
And he's looking through that gate and he's watching those priests in there and he's looking past the laver and he looks into the tent of meeting and he knows right in there is the presence of the one that my soul loves. If you priest only knew who you got to be with. Oh God, when can I come and appear before you? Oh, how David longed for God. What to God, the Holy Spirit would give us all that kind of passion. Oh God, I want to be with you. And then the Holy Spirit showed him. And he got it. You know the story about the woman who came and she broke her alabaster box and she poured it on Jesus. Remember that? And the fragrance filled the room and wherever Jesus went, all the way up to the day of his crucifixion, the smell of that woman's worship was all over Jesus. All over Jesus. It was hers. It was uniquely hers. Well, if you will, in some way, some spiritual way, David understood. Let my prayer be like perfume on you, God. And let the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice because he understood Though I don't get to go in there, God hears me and God knows me and God loves me and I am forever his and he is forever mine. But until I get there and I can throw my own arms around him, I am going to perfume his presence with my prayers. And I'm going to lift my hands up as the evening sacrifice, which was a delight to God. And I'm going to be so close to the Lord and dwell so close to God. Don't you want that? Don't you want to perfume the presence of God with your prayers? Just begin to pray them now. Just begin to lift them up to God now. Just begin to lift your hands up to God now and let it be like an evening sacrifice. And God smells you. You're like the woman pouring the ointment on Jesus and the aroma of your worship begins to cover him. It rises up. You read it in Revelation chapter 8. Oh, the longing of his heart, the desire of our God. And oh, to God that people would come and they would say, oh, oh, the way, the way you love him. You know, you don't have the greatest preaching. You're not a funny guy. You don't have the best sound system. You don't have the best people. Oh, but the presence of God. You don't have the, you don't have the biggest church None of that matters. The presence of God. Oh, God. We want you. Lord, only by your grace and by your power and by your spirit, we desire our hearts to be turned to you. That, Lord, you would forgive us that we got so involved in ministry. We got so involved in the work we found that our hearts had drifted and there's bitterness in my heart and there's, there's guilt and there's accusations in my heart and there's all these things that are going in, Father, in my heart that is just causing the enemy to run over me. But I'll run to you today. You are my refuge. You are my strong tower. Oh God, I want to press in close to you. I want to exalt you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to be able to live my life in awe of who you are. I want you to take my breath away every day of my life. 
Oh God, I want to be so close to you. I thank you for the Holy Ghost because without him, it is impossible to worship you. Without the Holy Ghost, it's impossible to have a heart for you. But thank you for the Holy Spirit. Just receive him now. Receive the Holy Spirit now. We're just going to take time to worship God. Would you just draw near? Just draw near to the Lord. Maybe you need to find a little spot where you can just get before God alone. Just cry. Just cry to the Lord. Maybe you've been walking intimately with God and you just want to perfume his presence with your prayers. Because as you pray, your incense begins to rise up in his nostrils. He smells you. He smells your worship. He knows it's you. You're seeking him. You're loving him. And he's reaching out to you for intimacy. Intimacy with the Lord. Oh God, draw your people. Draw your people. Draw your preachers. Draw your ministers, Lord. Draw us, God. Draw our hearts to you. Baptize us in your fire, God. Oh God, baptize us in your fire. Would you stand if you're at your seats and just begin to worship the Lord with us? tonight I know you've traveled today I know you're, you may have dealt with things you may be even tired but don't be too tired right now to spend an intimate time with the Lord let him take your breath away let him remove your guilt your shame your self-condemnation your failure your blame in yourself if you need to repent He is gracious to forgive you. Maybe you need his help. How we love you, Jesus. How we love you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, to God, that every heart of every child of God would have a passion to be close to God. Would have a passion be intimate with him, to be his friend, to be his lover, to be overwhelmed with his beauty, that you're beautiful when you worship him. Baptize us in your spirit, fire. 